are now listening to a very special message from Joy Community Church. We're going to go here in a minute, but the first thing I want to talk to you about is elevation. I love, I love the outdoors. I really do. And I love, I love trees. I love mountains and all that. And, and in, that, in that love, I go and I explore different parks. Uh, maybe you do too. Maybe you're like me. You like to get outside and, and hike and walk and, and such. So when I have a Sabbath day, when I have a break and I have a, the opportunity to go somewhere and do something, you know what I like to do? I like to go, to a, I like to go somewhere and, and hike. I like it. I, I love people, but you know what? When I go and hike, I love to just be by myself and get out and just be with the Lord. You know what I'm talking about, right? I, I've got a new love for Letchworth State Park. I don't know you, if you get a chance to get down there very often, what a pearl that is. And I, I, I found some places in the park where, where it's, just, it's just me and Jesus. You know, there's not too many people there. Really beautiful and such, but... You know what I love about parks and places like that? Almost all of them have an inspiration point. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, you know, you go down to Letchworth State Park and, and uh, like, those, like those many other places, there's, a, there's an inspiration point there. And you know what's really special about it? If you've ever had a chance to stand there, get a picture taken there, whatever, you know what's really special is you're up really high you're up above the, the gorge that's way down below. And you can see up above, you can see, you can see the upper falls, you can see the train trestle, you know, across the, the northern or the southern part of the park. And it's just, it just takes your breath away, doesn't it? You're in a spot like that. I have a dear pastor friend, and we went, we like to go hiking every year. So this year we we picked uh, the Grand Tetons in western Wyoming. So we went, we, we hopped on a plane out to Salt Lake City, rented a car, drove up to, to Grand Teton National Park. And if you've ever been near there or seen pictures, I'd just seen pictures my whole life. I really wanted to see it with my own eyes. And what we did was we, we hiked up in there for, for days and just loved it. It was, it was just beautiful. And they also, of course, have an inspiration point there. And you know what it's like? Same kind of thing, right? You get up above kind of everything else and you're able to look out across the vista. Behind you, there's, well, Grand Teton Mountains, about 14,000 feet above sea level, way up there. You're standing at about 9,000 feet above sea level and you're looking out across the, the great flats that are out there in, the, out there in northern Wyoming and, and see the mountains farther in the background and you know what it does it takes your breath away you've had experiences like that right one of the great privileges in my life has been i've been in i've been in china quite a number of times and and on the very first trip i i, I took to china uh some friends took me up to the great wall in china i always thought the thing was in the middle of a field somewhere I, you know done me I thought it was just kind of, you know, they'd build it where it was easy, you know, down low, down on the field. Oh, no, they didn't do that way. They, they did it the hard way. They, they built the Great Wall of China way up on top of these mountaintops. And you wind it. And so when you get up there, you're, you're at a great elevation, actually. 
And I remember standing on the Great Wall of China and having that same feeling that I had when I was in the Grand Tetons. And the same kind of feeling that I feel when I'm down at, at Letchworth. I'm on this elevation and I'm able to look out and I'm able to see this big picture, big picture of, well, in China it was, I saw a big picture of, of the nation of China. And I, and I had learned a bit about the history of China and certainly the church in China and what they were going through and, what, and how they had to live and how the, how the people in China, the, the great struggles that they, that they had had in particular. The elevation helped me because I could, I could see out, I could see the big picture and I could feel things that I, that I didn't normally feel when I was down well, on ground level somewhere. That's what church is like. That's church is like for me on a Sunday morning. You know, I sit here and we worship together and we sing together and we sing about the Lord, about his kingdom and such. And you know, you know where we go when we do that? We go to elevation. We get up above the normal problems, the normal situations of this world. We get way, way up above it. And we are seated where Christ is, at the right hand of God. We begin to see, oh, oh, there's more, there's more to life than just the problems I'm facing or the situations I'm dealing with or the relationships I have with the people who live with me or near me or around me. I get up, I get up high. And I begin to see things as they really are. That's what church does for us. That's what this is all about. That's, that's what every church that gets together on a Sunday morning and worships the Almighty, that's what we do is we get elevation. Yes. Do you feel it when we're here? Do you feel the elevation? Yeah. To get up above yeah. and to look out and see? That's, that's what this is all about. And that's where God takes us today when we go to Hebrews chapter 11. Takes us to a great elevation. Let me read for you the, the text for the day. It's Hebrews 11, the first three verses. Here we go. Now, faith is the substance. Circle that word in your Bible if you can. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Mm. Some big words there and some big concepts. And we'll pull some of them apart today and, and take a look. But our goal today is to get a different picture of faith. We want to have a, a kind of a, a better, more mature picture of what, what faith really is and what people who live by faith are really like and how they approach the things that, well, you and I face on a daily basis, right? Now, there's some wrong ideas of faith, and you've probably heard them. You've probably seen them uh, in different situations that, that you've been in. Let me just uh, tell you a couple of them. First of all, some people just take this whole idea of faith and they just say, oh, come on. People who like, like live by faith, they're so flaky. I don't want to be flaky. I want to, live, I want to live in a way that is logical. I want to live in a way that's scientific. 
so that I, I'm, I'm, actually, I, I'm actually basing my life upon research and, and, and reality. I don't want to do this faith thing. Now, some people approach faith like that. I think you and I know that's not exactly, that's not exactly right. And somebody who has that approach has probably been hurt by some false ideas of faith, and we won't go too far down that road, but let me just tell you one other false idea of faith that I've heard over the years, and that's this, that, you know, if, if you have enough faith, if you have enough faith, whatever that invisible concept might be, you have enough of that, then anything, anything can happen. So I, 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 there was a, a dear sister that passed away years ago after a long battle with cancer. And uh, she, was, she was in a, in a group of believers that just, they were trusting by faith that she would be healed. And they were really, they're really big, big, big on, on that. And so when she actually passed away, of course, they had a funeral for a memorial service, but it was a really sad one because somebody even publicly said, ah, too bad, too bad for her. She just didn't have enough faith. That's why she passed away. Now, I think you and I can also agree that as much as someone who goes over here on one side and says, faith is flaky, faith is just, I don't want to live like that, on the other hand, it's just as wrong to say, oh, she didn't have enough faith and that's why she died. That's also very, very wrong. And so when we dive into Hebrews chapter 11, what we need to do is we need to get a better picture, better definition of what faith really is like. I've got four things here that are characteristics that we find here in this chapter, characteristics of faith. And so let's walk them through one by one, and then we'll look at an example from the chapter. First of all, what is faith? Well, this is a characteristic of it, but it's a very important characteristic of it. Faith originates, in other words, finds its origin in the Word of God. God speaks and God speaks it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've heard that, right? Yeah. That's a bit of scripture. You see, faith is something that we have, that we are given, that has its basis in the word of God. Now, in the word of God, the actual physical, spiritual word of God that that we open, the Bible, but it also has its basis in whatever God would speak. Whatever God would speak to you, whatever God would make, make plain to you, whatever he promises to you, and sometimes that's difficult to know because our emotions get in the way, you understand, but whatever God proves to be his word to you, you can trust in it. And trusting Trusting in what God says, leaning on what God says as, as true, that's faith. Its origins, however, are in what God speaks, not what you and I imagine. You've heard of all the, the, the crazy prosperity doc, uh, gospel kind of preachers who, 
who say, oh, you can ask God for anything. You know what? Big cars, big houses, wealth, businesses that work, all of those things. And you know, you can ask God for those things. But to rely on that as if it's faith, you know, to, oh, if I could just muster enough believing in that. No, that's not it. That's not faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It originates in the word of God. That's where true faith finds its beginnings. Now something, and I asked you to circle it in your Bible. Number two, faith is substantial. It is substantial. And it has or is evidence. Something that's real actually has some actually has some, some substance to it. W- wouldn't you say? Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're going to build a house, don't, don't build it out of cardboard. P- please, don't do that. I mean, some, if some people in very poor places actually do build their houses out of, out of cardboard, and it, you know, they're in rough shape because of it. Because cardboard doesn't really have a lot of substance, does it? It's just paper kind of folded in a wavy way and glued together. That's kind of what, that's what, that's what cardboard is. Don't build your house out of cardboard. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't build bridges out of cardboard. That's a really bad idea too. You know, if you want to, if you want to entertain your children, get them an old cardboard box and make a, make a fort out of it. Do that. But don't do, don't build anything that's important. Why? Because cardboard does not have substance. But here in the scriptures, we find this. Faith actually has substance. It has evidence, if you will. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You know what happens when God speaks? God is, God is absolutely wanting you to have genuine faith, to be a people of faith in an overall sense and, and in some specific ways too. But faith, faith has substance. And you know what God does when he speaks? When God speaks, he gives, he gives these, these evidences that it really was him speaking in the first place. Providentially, what God does is he puts things in your path to let you know that, yeah, what I've spoken really is true and you can rely on it. You can lean your weight on it. Not cardboard, it's substance. And it's the evidence of things not seen that comes alongside us and enables us. So faith is substantial. It's not flaky. It's not, it's not weird, although it can be otherworldly in a sense. It's substantial and has evidence. And then thirdly, looking at lives lived in faith, this gives us a, a good picture of strong spirituality and a clear picture of the God that they trust. The elders obtained a good testimony, it says here in these first three verses. So what can we learn about faith from this? 
we can learn we can learn that when we watch and look at lives lived in faith those lives were strong lives those lives were deep lives those lives lived by rules that that people who don't have faith they live by and it brings us to number 4 that the results of faith are visible Sometimes the visible end result, if you will, of faith is receiving the promise here and now. You know, some people, you can look at the lives of some people and you can see that, oh, they trusted in God. They they lived by the word of God and by the word of God, they had a strong life that ended in, that ended well, it didn't end, maybe their life didn't end, but, but the end result of their faith was that they had something in their hand. They had a, they had a result. It, it actually ended with something that was, that was marvelous, that wouldn't have been there unless God had spoken it into place in the first place, and that they lived by faith and trusted in God in that, the results of faith are visible. Sometimes that visible end result is the receiving of the promise in the here and now, but sometimes the visible end result of faith is endurance, enduring trials while staying true to God in the here and now, and then receiving the promise in the next life. I don't know if that made any sense to you. People who live by faith can walk through some of the hardest stuff that can be thrown at a person and they somehow stand strong in going through it. You know, we we often think, oh, faith, faith results in a, in a easy, everything kind of falls into place kind of life. Oh, if we live by faith, if we really have genuine faith, then guess what? You know, all the pieces, all the pieces come together beautifully. The reality is, when you live by faith, you walk strongly Yeah, you've got your trials. You might even have your doubts. But you walk strongly through your life and in many times don't receive receive the end result of your faith until the next life. You know, it's so funny when um, when I've had opportunities to do funerals. I've had, you know, I, you know you have, I have different levels of relationship with the people I might do a funeral for. I, once in a while, I've done a funeral for someone who I didn't know at all. As a matter of fact, I had, to, I had to ask that family, you know, please tell me, how do you say their name correctly? And, and you know, what is their, tell me more about their background. I just need to know more about this person because I'd never met them before. And then other people I know very, very well. And I walked and I watched them walk through life. And when you, get, when you get to that point, when you get to the point at the end of someone's life and you look back on it, you might see a, a life that was filled with trial and difficulty and problem. But you know, if they knew the Lord Jesus Christ, I knew one thing about their, their life currently. 
after they've passed away. You know what? They're having the best day they have ever had. Ever. Ever. How can I say things like that? How can you say things like that? You can say things like that because you have faith. Because you know, you know, you know that this life is not all that there is. You know that there is, you know that there is, is freedom and forgiveness and everything is, all is well with you. So that when you pass into that next life, you're welcomed into a place that you don't deserve to be at, but you know you're going to be at. Somebody, you know, I, I, I've got some good friends who are, are really, they're, they're really uh, into theology and doctrine. A couple of them are really, really that way. If you ever met somebody like that, uh, you, you understand what I mean, you know. So I asked this one fellow, I said, so what are you looking forward to the most when you meet Jesus face to face? And he went through all, he went through all the, you know, the, the theological, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and the da 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 And he had all these, these very correct but theological answers. And, you know, you know, Bruce isn't kind of that kind of guy. So, you know, I said, well, you know what I'm looking for, forward to the most? The embrace. Amen. I, I'm looking forward to that. When I can just... When he embraces me for no good reason other than the fact that he gave me life. Mm -hmm. He gave me forgiveness. Not because I deserve it. I don't. Not at all. Neither do you. But you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? Are you looking forward to the embrace? If you look forward to the embrace, if you look forward to Jesus just wrapping his arms around you and welcoming you into his home. You're going to have the best day of your life. Mm -hmm. No matter how you passed away, you're going to have the best day of your life. But guess what? You lived by faith. See, faith, faith is substance. Faith has evidence. And faith looks forward. It has a good testimony. Okay, let's take a look at an example here from chapter 11. We're going to go down to verse 7 and just see a quick summary of our friend Noah. Now, do you know that we are all related to Noah? Did you know that? We're all related to Noah. I mean, we're all related to Adam and Eve, yeah, but guess what? You know what's odd? We're all related to this guy, all of us. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. We're given a number of examples here in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm just going to pick this one out because, well, hey, we are all related to Noah. But guess what? We see faith in this man, and it can apply to our lives. So, let's go back. I guess, again, according to the definition I gave a little bit earlier, first of all, notice here with with Noah, where did his faith originate? It originated 
in the word of God. God spoke to Noah, being divinely warned. God spoke to Noah and gave him his word. He said, look, here's what's coming. I'm going to fold this earth up for the most part, but I'm going to, I'm going to save you and your family. And the way it's going to happen is it's going to be like this. You, Noah, who have never seen it rain from the sky. Did you know that? The rain didn't come from the sky in his day. The rain came out of the earth. There was mists that came from the, from the earth, probably because water is contained under the crust of the earth in a different way than it is today. And it was changed in Noah's day. So Noah had never seen a rainstorm. He had never seen, he had never seen stuff come out of the sky. He never saw that. So God was talking to him about something he had never seen before. And he said, God said, look, I'm going to take this world, I'm going to destroy it with a flood. What's that? That's just too much water. And, and God had to maybe explain all that to Noah, or at least he had to become aware of it. And so Noah was, by the word of God, becoming aware of something that he had never seen before. And then he was told to build a boat, an ark. A what? You know, he had to build, he was to build a, a boat, an, a, a large one. And God gave him all the instructions. We won't get into that. But Noah determined by knowing that this was God, that he was going to do something, something, in accordance with the word that was spoken. It was substantive, it could be stood upon. And Noah actually changed his life direction. Why? Because of faith. He changed his life direction because of faith. Noah followed the directions that were given to him by God, even though he saw no outward earthly signs that his actions were logical. He lived a good testimony of God. And of course, we all know that Noah was vindicated in the end by God's eventual judgment and flood, but that, you know, that part isn't mentioned here in Hebrews 11. We all know about it. The vindication, the vindication, the, the fact that Noah could, could probably, after being mocked for you know, all those years he was building the boat, Noah could, could stand out there on the deck of the boat after God had sent the flood and the, the boat had saved him and his family and animals, animal species on the earth, animal kinds anyways, on the earth, Noah could stand there and say, wow, I've been vindicated. You know, it, it turned out the way that God said it would turn out and, and, and all of that. But that, that sense of vindication wasn't faith. I want you to understand that. What was faith was the action that Noah took in doing something in accordance to the word of God. See what I'm saying? Faith happens when you don't see the end result of vindication. Faith, faith is you changing your life in accordance to the word of God. That's faith. That's what faith really is. God had spoken, he took action, and he visibly trusted in God. He embraced the Word of God. So now let's, 
now that we have that basic understanding, let's take a look at the end of chapter 11. Now, a lot of people, when they read chapter 11, they, they, they sort of stop in the example of the patriarchs, and, and they, they, see all the, they see all the examples from, from Noah to Abraham to Moses, etc. But let's take a look more at the end of this chapter and see if we can learn just something a little bit more about faith. Remember, we're up here on the elevation today. So let's take a look and see if we can see some things. Let me go down to verse 32, and if you follow along with me, what I'd like to do is I'd like to read a little, a little chunk of this chapter. This is verses 32 to 38, and let's talk a little bit more about faith. And what more shall I say? For the for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Ah. Oh. Faith results in wonderful, in wonderful ending, happy endings, right? Isn't that what faith does? It always results in happy endings. Is that really true? Others were tortured, <clears throat> not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had a trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, and were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. Then were they not people of faith because they didn't receive a miracle? Were they... These people, that this second section that nobody really talks about very often, were those people, were those people of faith as well? Because they didn't receive some miracle on the spot in this life? Mm-mm. They were all people of faith because they lived out the word of God changed their unbelieving lives for believing lives in spite of the opposition and provided a picture of who God is like, what real spiritual lives are like. And in, especially in regards to the, the second group, they received the promise in the next life or in many cases, in all cases really, in the lives of those to come. When you live by faith, how long, how long does your faith live? Does it die with you? I want you to think about that for a minute. The prayers that you pray, how long do your prayers live? Do they live farther than you live? How many grandmas 
have prayed for, prayed for grandchildren. Grandma passed away or grandpa passed away. But years later, years later when those grandchildren grew up, did whatever they were going to do, the prayers of grandma and grandpa reached into the lives of those grandchildren and they were saved. How long do prayers last? Prayers are eternal. Prayers go way beyond your life. And your life lived by faith also goes way beyond your life on earth. A life lived by faith where you hear the word of God and you change, you change everything because of the word of God. And you, and you in, in spite of opposition and trouble and trial and difficulty, you go and you live a life, a, you live a life that's based upon the word of God, which has, and that faith, for, it has substance, it has evidence. That life of faith not only produces, not only produces something in your life, whether it's in your, while you're still alive on earth or whether it's in the next, but your life of faith touches generations after you. How many of you like church history? Any of you? Fans? Okay, a few of fans of you, yeah. I love it. And the reason I love it is that I see lives lived by faith real genuine faith and and I, when i read their when i read their lives i'm inspired to do something myself i realize that i'm a, i'm one of their children in a sense i'm 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 a generation or 3 or 4 maybe beyond them and i'm being affected by their life lived by faith <coughs> guess what faith doesn't die your life lived by faith does not die. Your life lived by faith, you enduring the trials, you going through what you're going through, or you receiving a promise in this life and can tell everybody about it. however it goes for you, your life lived by faith is going to touch generations after you. Generations after you. Who knows? Who knows? who's standing on your shoulders now. Only God. Right? What happens? What happens in future times when they look back on Joy Community Church and the, the, the lives lived by faith, the, the walk that you walked, the things that you've done because of the word of God spoken to you? What happens when they look back on that and they go, oh... We're standing on their shoulders now. Look at what God's doing now. It has a, it has a root in, in the lives lived here. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Yes. Listen, faith has substance and has evidence. What does this mean for you and I? I've got four things here, and then I want to tell you a little story. First of all, and I think this is a, these are four good applications for us. We need to hear God's word and we need to believe what God says. Better than the best word of prophecy you'll ever get is this right here. 
eat it. Feed on it all the time. Be a student of God's word and learn, study deep, get deep into what the scriptures teach. And see that, and see that the word of, and let the word of God be planted richly in your heart. Oh, you know, you know the devil is always trying to distract you. He'll keep you from reading and studying his word any way, any time he possibly can. Oh, I'm just too busy to have, a, have devotions. And I'm just too darn busy. Well, guess what? You know what? We, just, we work beyond the distractions, don't we? And we get into the word of God. When God speaks to you in prayer or in prophecy, as soon as you know, as soon as you know it's a thus saith the Lord, then something happens to you, doesn't it? When you hear a, when you hear a word from God and you know there's evidence that this is God speaking to me, guess what you do? You start leaning on it, don't you? You start leaning on that word. You start doing things in accordance to that word. So, first thing, what do we do? What does this mean for you and I? It means that we hear God's word and we believe what God says. That sounds awfully simple, but really it's, it's very, very deep. Hear what God says and live by his word. I can tell you a thousand ways we can do this. Do you ever, do you ever wonder if you're good enough to be a Christian? Do you ever wonder that? Stop doing that. Because guess what? None of us are, are, good, are good enough to be a Christian. None of us. Guess how we became Christians? According to the word. By grace, you're saved. Through faith. And that, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So guess what? You become a Christian by God's work in your heart, and you believe. You have faith. That's how someone gets forgiven and becomes a Christian. None of us deserve it. Now, do we live different lives because of that? Oh, you bet you we do. Absolutely we do. We refuse sin. We refuse wrong. We refuse evil. We get into the word of God. We live like that. But guess what? The word of God teaches us but it's, that it's by grace we're saved. Does it matter? Does it matter how old, how young? Does it matter? Does it matter any other factor, human fact? No, it doesn't matter. I don't care if you're Chinese. I don't care if you're African. I don't care if you're South American or North American. It's all the same, exactly the same. You become a Christian by faith in the Word of God. That's how you're saved. So, are you good enough? Will you ever be good enough? Mm-mm. Sorry. I'd like to be a little bit better. I'd like to do that, but I want to do that out of love for him and thanks to him. I don't do it because I need to earn his favor. It's already been given. That's how you live by faith. See what I'm saying? Secondly, change your life to match what God says because faith in his word is substance. We embrace, we embrace the word of God. That's what we do. We embrace the word of God. That's what that, that's what the wording means here. That's the wording in, in Hebrews 11 means. That when we live by faith, we live embracing the word of God, what God says, but only God's word. Thirdly, 
Be a picture of a godly life no matter what the opposition looks like. And that opposition could be a, a disease that you're fighting with for a long time, for decades. That could be your opposition. It could be you live in a, you live in a, a very difficult situation where people are always opposed to your faith in God. It could be it could be who knows what, a thousand different things, but you, in spite of the opposition, you live, you live by the word of God. You live by faith. A person, a person of faith doesn't care what the opposition is and whether I see the answers coming or not. And then fourthly, what does this mean for you and I? Know deep in your heart that you will receive the promise of God according to his word in this life or in the next. And like we said before, others may well be the beneficiary of your life lived by faith. Your friends, your family, your community, your grandchildren. If you know deep in your heart that you'll receive the promise of God in this life or in the next, you live different because you live by faith. Let me tell you a little story. Maybe you've heard this one before, but it's probably faded because of the time difference. Uh, there was a man who lived years ago who really had his... Uh, this story takes place in the 1960s, actually, so that's a while ago. His name was Dr. Paul Carlson, and the experience that changed his life forever happened in the fall of 1961. So I'm going to read a little bit of, the, of this as I, as I got this story. Uh, Dr. Carlson decided to volunteer as a physician with the Congo Protestant Relief Association. It was a missions organization that existed back then. To fill the need for medical care in the African nation after it, or African continent after it, uh, it, it was the Congo, basically, after it gained its independence from Belgium in 1960. Medical care was desperately needed for the newly reformed Republic of the Congo. Carlson's volunteer stint lasted five months, and it was long enough to convince him of the need for further service there. He had a wife, he had children. He had a great life in California. He was a doctor. He made, some good, made a good salary. But he, had, he was a believer. And God gave him this opportunity to go to the Congo for five months. And he did. He went to the Congo for five months, served there as a, as a doctor, but saw the incredible need and didn't think there really were a whole lot of people that could do what he was doing. So he decided that he would go back. In 1962, the Ubangi Church of Christ in the Congo requested that Carlson return to the country as a full-fledged medical missionary. The Evangelical Covenant Church authorized a three-year stay, which allowed Carlson, his wife, and children to work and live in the Ubangi area of the Equator province. In July of 1962, Carlson explained his feelings about returning to the Congo to, uh, to a friend. He said, one can't come back from an African visit like mine without feeling one's Christian responsibility tremendously. In Africa, I knew I was doing something that wouldn't get done if I weren't there. He knew the request came from God. It was a word from God. 
After training in France and England for several months, the Carlsons began their work in Africa in August 63, setting up practice in the small village of Wasolo. Carlson became much beloved to the many African villagers he took under his care as a physician. But instability and unrest had been brewing in the Congo for months. Communist anti-government rebels looked at foreigners, especially Americans, with great suspicion. With conditions growing more dangerous by the day, Lois Carlson and her two children were evacuated to the neighboring Central African Republic in August of 64. Paul, Dr. Paul Carlson, stayed behind feeling he could escape in time should the communist rebels attack. He didn't succeed. The rebels captured him on August 4th of 64 and immediately accused him of being a, a, uh, an army major and a spy, which he wasn't. He was awaiting trial with his colleague, Dr. Charles Davis, and about 200 other hostages in the capital city, which was in chaos due to the battles between rebels and the government, when the tense standoff boiled over November 24th of 64. The hostages were herded into a hotel. They heard and saw airplanes above from which Belgian paratroopers sent to restore order began descending to earth as the battle on the ground intensified. The hostages escaped that hotel and ran for cover. A small group of them began scaling a, a, a wall down a street for safety. Dr. Carlson insisted that his friend Davis go over the wall first, helping him up from below. As he was helping Davis over, a rebel with a rifle approached and opened fire, killing Carlson instantly. He was just inches from safety. Davis survived. He said, I reached back to grab Paul, and he was shot out of my hands, Davis later told the Los Angeles Times. Carlson was among 30 hostages killed by the rebels during the attack with the remainder eventually reaching safety. For his wife's instructions, Carlson's body was buried in the village of Karawa. A couple of weeks later, he was 36 years old. Let me ask a question. Did he live by faith? The answer is yes. Did he live by faith even though he died tragically in that, in that almost wastefully it seemed? Yes, he lived by faith. He lived by faith. Because what he did was, in spite of opposition and difficulty, he, he heard the word of God to him. And he went and he changed his life in accordance to the word of God. And no matter what the end results were, whether he received, whether he received something wonderful in this life or in the next... He actually made something happen that we, talk, we can talk about today because he lived by faith. Question. Are you living by faith? Have you heard the word of God? Have you believed what it says? And are you walking in a way that is in accordance to the word of God no matter what the opposition is? If so, you will live a life, you're living a life that matters. You're living a life that will carry on beyond your life. And like your prayers, live beyond your human physical life 
and touch the generations after you and people that you've never met. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony, and I might add, you will obtain a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. And let me just add this as well. The things, the things that matter, that happen in your life and in my life, they happen, they happen because of faith. Based, originated in the word of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you, first of all, that you are a God who speaks. You're not a God who's silent. You're not a God who, who is asleep. You're not a God who just said, well, I'll get the world, world started and I'll see how they are at the end. I'll come back and see them later. And that's not how you work. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that we have the scriptures in our hands and we can look and read and study with confidence and we can change our lives and live lives of faith because of what we know of the word of God. And Lord, we thank you that you also speak very specifically in ways that we, we don't understand but we are sure of. Our calling, our direction, what you want, how you, where you're heading us, what you have given us. It, it be, it, it's the word of God. And so, Lord, what we ask you today is this, that we would live as people of faith, that the distractions, no matter what they are, could be a long-term sickness and illness, could be great opposition, it could be seeming, just seemingly obscureness, obscurity, where we wonder, does my life make any difference at all? Lord, in spite of the opposition, that we would move forward and live, live the life of faith that is in accordance to your word. Lord, thank you that your grace, your power is very, very present to us to live a life of faith. And so we ask, I ask, Lord, today for anyone who's discouraged, anyone who doesn't, who doesn't really know how they're going to go on, I pray, Lord, that today they'd have the encouragement right up here in the elevations, right up here in inspiration point where we look out and see the big picture. God, let, let us, let that life be, have encouragement today, encouragement to live on, encouragement to do what you've called them to do, and encouragement to stay true to the calling. Lord, we thank you. And we pray for the generations after us. We pray for the people who, who see us live. We, we look at our lives and think, God, how can anybody be inspired by me? But Lord, the fact of the matter is that when we live by faith, others are inspired and changed by us. By us. Really by you in the midst of all of that. And so Lord, we pray for them. We pray for those who are watching, those who are, are hearing praying for our children and our grandchildren, praying for our neighbors and our friends, praying for our coworkers, praying for, for people that we just get in, we're into contact with you briefly or long-term. We pray that our life lived by faith would touch them. Actually, you would touch them. 
through our life by faith. And so God, so God, we look unto you. The author and the finisher of our faith. God, we pray that today, today, we would take up our life of faith afresh. Now, while we're praying, while we're here, there might, there just might be somebody here. You've, you've just heard the word of God that God forgives and takes people to himself by grace. It's not what you do. It's not how good a life you've lived. It's not, it's not how many hoops you've jumped through. You don't have to wait for to be good enough to come to God. You just come to God because he says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you. It's easy and it's light because he took the heavy weight. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, just pray this simple prayer with me. Just do it. Lord, I know what I'm like. I know where I've been and I know what I've done. But what I've heard today tells me that by the sacrifice of Jesus, you made a way for me to be forgiven, free, and yours by faith, by trust. So Lord, here's my life. I give it to you. I put it in your hands. And I ask you, forgive me Receive me, take me in, embrace me. God, thank you. Take my whole life, all that, all of my life. And I'm going to live it by faith now. I'm going to live it as a follower of yours now. I don't know what that means yet, but I'm going to live it as a follower of yours. Come. Embrace me, Lord. Embrace me by the name of Jesus. Now, if you've done that, if that's you and you've heard it, congratulations, I guess I could say. You've just started a life of faith. For those of you who have already come to him by faith, let me encourage you. Live by faith in the one who is able to make your life of faith full of substance, reality, on an eternal basis. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at joycc.info.